There are numerous divisions among people in the world. In fact, Jesus warned that before he came back, the love of many will be made cold. I don't mean this play on words, but what a chilling thought. So where can people find hope in this world? Hope is in the good news of Jesus. Now, some 3,500 years ago, God gave people carefully worded, detailed instructions on how people should live before him in order to enjoy his amazing, strong, life-giving, life-changing love. And it can be summed up as love God, love people, four words. But that's just a little too simple. So a little better summary is this. People can thank God for his love for them. That when he gave to them all that he is, all that he is, he can be thanked by living in fully surrendered, faithful obedience to him as the perfect loving father. That's very important. Then as people grow in their love to him and the fruit of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, then people will have a strong desire to share all they have experienced with God, share it with their neighbors so that they can have it, also have it. This is how people love their neighbors as themselves. I think all the other explanations fall way short of what this is that God desires. So today, we're considering the first five of six commandments as to how God wants people to love their neighbors. We'll look at the last one next week in our final series on the Ten Commandments. But we will see that what these first five commandments talk about, it involves honoring those who brought us into the world, respecting the life of all people, protecting the intimacy of one flesh marriage, respecting personal property, and always, always speaking truth to and about our neighbors. We will also see how good neighbors give to each other generously and cheerfully because they have experienced the generosity and joy of God in Jesus. So we're now ready to dig deeper into God's word. So first we will look at the Exodus passage the five commandments following the four big ones. These are commandments concerning family and neighbors. Now, the first one and the heaviest one and the only true commandment of the ten 
is to honor the two people who caused him or her to come into the world. All of this is in the singular, and there's two ways of looking at this. Either God is addressing all of his people as descendants of the singular Israel, and it's for everybody, which is true, but it's also for each and every person. So take it personally. Let us all take it personally. And it starts, thou must honor father of thee and mother of thee. Now, honor is a heavy word. In fact, the word kabod means first and foremost, heavy. It also means to glorify, attribute greatness, respect and heed as in the sense of hearken or listen. First of all, God commands parents to teach their children about him. That's in Deuteronomy 6 and I skim through Proverbs Every chapter from 2 to 7 instructs the father and the mother that they teach their children about God's ways. But children are to learn to obey God in gratitude for all that he has done for his people. And he's done two things. He has done acts of salvation and given his words of life. Now, I must throw in a footnote. I've lived long enough. I think we all know that there are bad parents out there who damage their children. And the only hope for children of these parents is that they will know God as their father. But I want to also add in a word about God's grace. By God's grace... People with parents like this can over time grow to have some respect for their parents. Then this commandment continues with with a purpose, with a promise. Why do we do this? Honor our parents as, as God is ultimately the father of everyone. In order that they will be long, the days of thee, in the ground which Yahweh... God of thee is giving thee. Now remember, this is 40 years before they actually possessed this land and the promise was fulfilled. The God of Israel would give his people the ground. The word here is Adama, the ground from which the first man, Adam, was made as distinguished from just the earth in general, the kind of land that is fruitful and produces food for people. He spoke about this to Abraham, and this is conditional. If they keep his words to them by faith, they will get to live long on it. And you probably recognize that Paul referenced this in his letter to the churches in Ephesus. Okay, uh, enough on that first one. Now we find out that each person will not do four things that disrespect and violate his or her neighbor. So firstly, in verse 13, not thou will kill, but murder is a better translation. Sometimes killing happens for a whole bunch of reasons, but this is talking about premeditated murder. Now, I want to put a lot of these commandments positively. Every human life is therefore to be respected. 
And this includes helping people, all people, to maintain good health and develop good life skills. And this can be done by sharing wisdom. And what is wisdom? I realized that unconsciously I had written out what wisdom is. Wisdom comes by walking with God In the Holy Spirit, according to his word. Now, I actually read a book once in seminary where I wanted to scream at the author. He said, what do Proverbs have to do with Deuteronomy? Well, it's obvious. It's absolutely obvious to anyone who knows scripture. Deuteronomy lays out the instructions, lays out the rules in general. And Proverbs gives practical applications of every word of Deuteronomy in real life. That is wisdom, acting upon God's words or principles in everything we do and say in our lives. So um, wisdom is so important and that's all about how we don't murder but how we live to help other people to live next not thou will commit adultery and I just wanted to go back and help us to remember God has ordained a special intimacy for whenever one man and one woman decide to come together and enter into the marriage covenant before him in the presence of their family and friends. And they must both guard this one flesh relationship and let nothing come between them. And as part of the family of God, we too have a responsibility to help them and support them in maintaining that one flesh intimacy and not disturbing it. That would be an abomination to God. God goes on, not thou will steal. Now, Please take this in balance and in context and don't run too far with it. But with this commandment, there's no question God endorses the right for his people to have personal property. And most especially the land he gave them and the fruit that land produces. And now when very few of us are involved in agriculture, he still provides all his people with all they need. And, and, and this next thought is, again, what prompted my prayer this morning. It is a offense against God whenever anyone takes what belongs to another person, especially poor and needy people. And then the last commandment we'll consider this morning Not thou will testify against the neighbor of thee a witness of falsehood. I've summed this up, tell truth to and about our neighbors. To say anything false about a neighbor is offensive to God. 
God desires that neighbors be treated as family. And all who are in Jesus Christ are adopted into God's family. And he is their father. And they are brothers and sisters one with another. Go back and reread Ephesians chapter 2. In that chapter, God talks about how all dividing walls of hostility, all the divisions I began with among people have been broken down in Jesus Christ. We can be one in him. So these five commandments so far we've been considering can be summed up as follows. God requires proper relationships among generations. And he also requires respect for life, marriage, property, and truth. So that's Exodus. That's the Torah. Let's go fast forward to the Gospels. We've been considering Jesus' interpretation of the Ten Commandments every week so far. This is the... um, Third week. Now, in your sermon outlines, I've given you all these different texts I've pulled together to illustrate this point. People should love the neighbor who is nearby with generosity and cheerfulness. So we'll look at this through the words of both Jesus and Paul. So the second great commandment, we're just going to take one verse from Jesus because he spent so much time expounding on the most important commandment. They said, what is the great commandment? Then Jesus just continues and concludes in verse 39. But the second great commandment is the same unto it. Thou will love the neighbor of thee as thyself. And I believe, again, what Jesus means by this is as people grow in their all-out love of the covenant God who is love, which is the great commandment, summarizing the first four given to Moses on Mount Sinai, which means thorny. Isn't that interesting? Jesus sums up the concluding six commands given to Moses with a simple sentence found in Leviticus. And here's the application. We are to love our neighbors, and we do love our neighbors when we share the love God has given us with them, okay? It's not a lecture. It's not haranguing. We are just so excited with the love that God has given us. We want them to have it. We do that by loving them with all that we do for them, first and foremost, and when possible, with words, when the Holy Spirit gives us help so that they will know Jesus as we know him. God tells his people how to love their neighbors. That sums up everything this morning. Now, Paul gets a bit wordy in Romans 13, and you don't have to uh, turn there, but I will uh, summarize it for you. He says, to no one, nothing you all must be owing, except or if not, one another to be loving. Because one loving another, 
the law or the instruction, the Torah, he or she has fulfilled. Not thou will commit adultery, not thou will murder, not thou will steal, not thou will covet. And if any other commandment in the word, it is being summed up in this. Thou will love the neighbor of thee as thyself. Now, I find this kind of humorous and ironic. Paul uses different and many more words than Jesus used, but he has the same heart and the same mind as Jesus. And then he concludes in Romans 13, 10, love to the neighbor, harm is not working. Therefore, fulfillment of the law, instruction, or Torah, love. So selfless, Agape love in no way harms a neighbor, and that's important. Rather, selfless agape love is the fulfillment of all God instructs his people. And in this sentence, the word love begins and ends his commentary and summing up of God's commandment to love our neighbor. God tells his people how to love their neighbor. And now I'm going to say that neighbors can indeed be closer than family. They give generously. They give cheerfully. So first, I'm going to turn to uh, Proverbs 27.10. And I absolutely love this proverb. It's one we should all put in our hearts, especially the second part. Friend of thee and friend of thy father thou will not forsake. And house of the brother of thee, thou will not go to in the day of calamity. Why? Better is a neighbor than a brother afar. Now, let me just point out, as I did a word search, this is very rare in the Proverbs. I think it's the only positive statement about a neighbor. Here are other Proverbs that are more negative. Do not devise evil against thy neighbor, chapter 3. He despising his neighbor is sinning, chapter 14. A violent man will entice his neighbor to lead him in a way not good, Proverbs 16. And then almost echoing the commandment, do not witness against thy neighbor without cause and do not t- entice him with thy lips. Chapter 24, and I've given you the address of a proverb that has synonyms but is just as powerful in chapter 25. And as I said, this last one is a good example of how proverbs apply Torah in real life situations. But now coming back to the proverb I highlighted here, I've called this proximity counts. People who are in God and love God by the faith of Jesus, they're in a new forever family. And although members of this family don't have the same family tree or DNA that is in any way similar Loving and helping nearby fellow believers with God's love is more beneficial to them than if they had to go far away to a biological 
sibling. And I think this is summed up by an old cliche I first heard in a Shirley Temple movie as a boy. We're all descended from Adam and Eve. Let's not forget that. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 20. Again, a scripture that almost everybody knows, even non-Christians. Paul charged the elders in the churches in Ephesus to feed the sheep God purchased with his blood. And then he reminded them his team was laboring to show them that they ought to help those who are being weak and to remember Jesus' words. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So in verse 28... Luke tells us Paul commanded the elders to be careful to themselves and all the flock of sheep of which the Holy Spirit made them overseers, elders, to be feeding the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There's the gospel. And then Paul talks about what a true servant of God does. He says, they are to be truly knowing his own hands in those hands of his fellow servants. They met their own needs. They didn't impose on somebody else. And in this way, in other words, by the example of Paul and his team, he showed them that laboring this way is necessary necessary to be helping the weak. Whatever we can earn, we can share with people and help people that can't help themselves. So Paul and his team showed people how to love our neighbors, whether it be through his word or the actions of his people. God tells his people how to love their neighbors. And then, of course, this concludes with the blessing of generous giving. They must also remember the words that Jesus himself said, which are not in the Gospels, but are in Acts. Blessed it is being more to give than to receive. And from this, we clearly see good neighbors are generous And now the the last scripture, and again, the absolute best chapter in all of scripture about God's command to give to one another and love our neighbors in this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, each one according as he or she has decided in the heart to give, not from regret, nor of necessity, Because cheerful giver, he is loving God. And he is being able, God, all grace to abound to you all. That in all things, always, all necessary things happening, that you all may be abounding in every good work. I wish I'd had us sing Amazing Grace this morning because it's all about the grace of God and what he gives. The key to all the Apostle Paul wrote, okay, is that those who have received the grace of God are more than willing to give to whoever will take his gift of his son, his son as the savior king. Again, we shouldn't be afraid to share. It's God's will. God will bring the fruit. God will bring the increase. 
All people who experience the generosity and joy of God um, through his expression of love in Jesus will be able to generously pass on his love to their neighbors. And all um, who are in Jesus by the grace and faith of God will be enabled and empowered. I love that combination. Enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of Jesus to give abundantly and generously of all of their time, their talents, and their treasures. Good neighbors are generous. And and that's all I have on this this morning, but let me sum it up. God wants his people to honor the people he chose to be their parents. Positively, people need to support life, the sanctity of marriage, personal property, and to be truthful in love to their neighbors. God knows that left to themselves, people will do harm. So he sent his son to be the way and the truth and the life for all people. And the Holy Spirit will enable and empower people to fulfill what they cannot do in their own strength, which is namely God has told his people how to love their neighbors. That's his charge for us this morning and every day.